thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. So as you know, Jen, we've known each other a long time. Um, and I've been creating these little video series where I'm taking a look back, sort of a retrospective look back across the spectrum of families um, that I've known forever and worked with and just trying to learn from that history for our future families and our future therapists. And it brought me to this article that I found that talked about what if parents really were more of the indicators of progress and successful outcomes for kids on the autism spectrum, which um, in our field is you know unusual. I think our field's getting better at doing a strong clinical interview and including the parents' goals, where they're at at different aspects of their journey. But I really wanted to talk about that. Um, specifically for you and I in our topic today, one thing I'm hearing from the parents that I've been interviewing is they just want their children to be safe, happy, healthy, as independent as they possibly can for themselves, and to have a group of people, a tribe, whether it's friends and families that they spend time with. So I want you to take, if you could, to tell the audience in two or three minutes just about Dylan and how he came to be given a diagnosis on the autism spectrum. Great. Well, thanks for having me again. Right before he turned two, I just noticed a lot of uh, differences in him. He stopped um, using, he had probably about 30 to 50 words, and then he completely stopped talking. He stopped responding to his name. Um, he stopped gesturing. He was very like social and friendly, always smiling at people when he was a baby, but then he just stopped waving, he stopped pointing, um, you know, all these weird things. And at the same time I was having Ethan, so I had an infant, I thought maybe Dylan was just mad at me because I was having another baby um, and he wanted all my attention. So my other son was like doing everything super early. Like, you know, it was crazy. And then, so I kind of get Dylan potty trained. Then he started having behaviors, um, you know, started having tantrums, aggression. And then I had this other little guy that is like doing everything early. So I can't get Dylan to talk. And yet my, at the time, like Ethan's 15 months old and saying full sentences. Um, I can't get Dylan potty trained. Ethan decides one day just to go on the potty and potty trains himself like before two years old. So I'm really like, what's happening here? So um, I decided that we need to move back to California and we need to be aggressive. I need to get him diagnosed. I need to like get help. So that's what we did. And within a week of moving back to California, we went to see a doctor um, and he was diagnosed um, that week. And it was really, even though I knew for, I would say two years that Dylan had autism, I was devastated. Um, it really hit home that this is real. And the doctor, you know, as nice as, you know, he was and trying to be helpful, he looked at me and looked at Dylan and said, he's in his own little world, isn't he? And he looked at me and told me that Dylan will probably never talk. He will probably never get potty trained. He will never be in a normal classroom or a regular classroom. 
you will probably never drive, you will never have a job, you will never live alone, you will never get married. And I just felt like someone just took, you know, a shovel to my head, you know, and it was devastating. So um, tell me, where is he now? What's he doing? Okay, so yeah, he's doing, <laughs> we, we've come a long way um, through great help. Um, and intervention. So Dylan is in a transition adult program. He's in his third year. He um, He's doing job training and learning community and life skills. He absolutely loves animals and he actually is um, doing job training and volunteering at uh, the OC Animal Care Shelter awesome. and loves that. And he's obsessed with books, so he wants to work at the library, but I'm always worried that he's going to um, come home with some books in the backpack. Um, but he's done really well. He still would be considered probably, I would say, on the moderate to, I consider it severe because he's always going to need assistance and not be able to live on his own he will not be able to drive um, but he can do a lot of amazing things well you and i have been i've known dylan since he first was diagnosed um for disclosure i haven't treated him in a long time but we have stayed together <laughs> um since he was from the time he was four till he was 21 and in light of um i started this video series actually just to talk about parents journeys and help behavioral therapists focus on like what are parents saying they need you know, like they want their children healthy happy they want their children safe they want their children to be as independent possible and have a social group of people and so unfortunately safety is kind of at the top of everyone's mind right now um due to the tragedy mm -hmm. of the family um who um son and mom passed away in the fire so i put ahead my safety talk and I couldn't think of a better person to talk about safety with than you mm -hmm. um, because we've been through so much together and you have had a lot of extreme experiences mm -hmm. that have become quite positive. And so when I was on staff at UCI, um, we were given a grant to help create and look at whether the needs were in the field of autism. And um, I did create this safety assessment because the BCPAs, you know, we have to create that content. There aren't a lot of good assessment tools that look at safety. Mm -hmm. And um, this is just the tip of the iceberg in my opinion, um, but it was the categories that I know in, in my ADA assessments working with families, I think are super important. So I'm gonna walk you through this assessment tool really quick and you may or may not have these and that's okay. But I know you and I've talked about them over the years, but it gives an idea of all the details parents need to think about. So let me ask you, do you know, are your fire alarms working? Yes, we definitely test them on a regular basis. Um, we also have a fire extinguisher and we have a two-story house. So I make sure that we have ladders there under the bed. And then we also um, do social stories and kind of safety tests with them with Dylan and my other son. When the alarm goes off, how does Dylan respond to that sound? Because I know my stepdaughter does not like that sound and gets really upset. Dylan, actually, for auditory, he does not, he, that does not bother him. He actually acts like he, he'll look at me, but he doesn't, it doesn't bother him. Do you actually, know? that kind of concerns me sometimes. <laughs> Wait, and he's a heavy sleeper. Yes. So 
one thing, so I'm glad your fire alarms are working. I'm glad you have fire extinguishers and ladders. What made me think maybe for you guys is I wondered about putting a voice command fire alarm in his bedroom. Yeah, I think um, it would be a good idea to try that. Yeah. Okay. Because, because I think the big guy, I mean, that is my worry is if something were to happen and that I'd have to physically try to, you know, get him up when he's in a deep sleep and try to get him you know down the stairs and outside and he's like six feet tall and you know i'm five two and he outweighs me a bit <laughs> so as a practitioner and also your friend mm -hmm. um i when i heard of the tragedy i immediately thought of dylan mm -hmm. and i thought we need to get him a voice command fire alarm in his bedroom because i feel like he'd respond to your voice if he was going to respond to anything mm -hmm. so let's track that down um and what about a designated meeting area outside of your house? Do you yeah, have we have two. One is like in the back, right in the backyard, or one is right in the front, just depending on um, how you get out. Um, so there's like a grassy area, and then there's a spot in our um, patio. How did you practice with him? How did you get him to practice and know? Um, we created a social story that had Dylan's very visual. So he responds to both, um, you know, written out things, but he really likes um, photographs as opposed to texts. So, um, and then making it personal. If we add like our names on there, he seems to respond. And okay. so it's a whole game plan. So we have that that we practice. Um, probably, we probably should practice more, but probably I'd say every other month we practice. Awesome. Um, do you have a first aid kit? Yes, we have um, a couple. We have, um, especially during um, COVID right now, <laughs> um, we have um, one, we actually have one, we have two bathrooms so we have one in each bathroom and then we have one um in each car and we have one in the kitchen do you have prescriptions readily accessible yes so i actually have them not just um for us and always have a backup bag but i also have some um at my parents house so just in case anything were to happen that we have a backup supply Great. Great. Okay. What if you got separated? Does Dylan have a way to identify himself? Yes. So Dylan works on a daily, it's called a morning journal. Um, he can now actually tell all his personal information. Um, we also, I have um, cards and things. I can't get him to wear an identification um bracelet or anything like that but he is able to say um now his full name my name his address his phone number my um email address so he can identify everything if he were asked he can also type it out okay what if he were you guys it was a total it was a fire or natural disaster and you all got separated and he was having a hard time tripping as we say with Dylan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Do you think he'd be able to respond then? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. And so we try to have like written out information, but yeah, I'm not sure. 
and our neighbors all know him too. So um, everybody knows information about him and everybody has my parents' um, contact information too, so. One thing that comes to my mind is I'm walking through this with everyone else in the, right now is if maybe at a, in a hidden location, I know this, this is like this weird, like I think you just have to be out of the box thinkers right now. What do you think of that? Yeah, that's a great idea. Kind of like how people have a hidden key, like yeah. as like in one of those fake rocks or something. Yep. Yeah, that's a great idea. Okay. And then do you have water, food, blankets? Like yes. if you've been in a natural disaster, if you had to take a kit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we actually have a whole setup um, in two locations that we could grab. I thought you did. Okay. One thing that also came to mind to me is um, I know Dylan loves a weighted blanket. Mm -hmm. um, they have fire resistant weighted blankets. Mm -hmm. I don't know if his is, but that was something to it should, Yeah, his is. Okay. I did invest in that. All right. So for the purposes of this, I'm not, I can't go through all the fire needs, but yeah. I want to show how BCBA therapists and our assessments really need to work with families on like home safety and how vast that can be. So for example, one of the dilemmas is a lot of our kids can't be home alone. Mm -hmm. And some families, their houses are locked up so the kids can't go out, which I know you went through some of that time where you had safety locks on the doors. And so as a field, we need to reconcile that a little bit. Um, but I know, for instance, Dylan cannot remain home alone, correct? Yeah, he needs 24 hours. Since he was a baby, he's very limited on the amount of time he sleeps and he'll stay up all night. And I think that's when I worry the most and then, you know, of what could happen. And then it makes me have a hard time sleeping. So that means that as a therapist, super mm -hmm. important to have a, not only a sleeping plan for Dylan, which I know we've worked through for years, yeah. <laughs> but also making sure that he's safe if he is awake, mm -hmm. he knows what to do if he's awake. I thought of two things, one is like, I could totally see the scenario and um, I would worry two things of trying to physically get Dylan up and down the stairs, you know, um, and then also because he is up at night many times, even though I don't let him use the stove or the, uh, the oven, um, that's, you know, obviously when I'm awake, but if I worry about like, what if he sees something on TV and tries to reenact it? Um, or if he decides, hey, like he decides when I, hey, I'm actually gonna make a grilled cheese sandwich or something and turns on the stove and yeah. you know, something happens. So I think those are two of my biggest fears. How do you keep him safe at night right now? I mean, I know for a long time, you didn't sleep <laughs> um, and you didn't sleep till he was asleep. Mm -hmm. um, but and I know we also spent a lot of time on, and your other therapist, after I stopped working with you on teaching him what to do, what he could do when he, if he was awake. Yeah. So it's gotten a million times better. He does not bother me at night anymore. I mean, he used to pound on the door and, and wet me downstairs. He, he has a set of uh, kind of like a list of what he can do if he's unable to sleep. He can watch TV downstairs. He can, um, he uses his iPad 
um, he can take a warm bath. And now I'm at the point where I feel um, comfortable. I used to worry about the, um, he likes a hot bath, so I, but you know, he'd crank it all the way up. He's learned temperature um, safety now. Um, so that's a big thing. Um, also, we have, um, he loves books um, and figurines, <laughs> especially of animals. So we have a set downstairs. Um, and then if he wants to eat or drink um, through his occupational therapist, um, we've taught him how to make simple snacks and meals that he can make without using the you know, microwave stove or oven. And he has been totally compliant with that. And we're at the point we don't need like extra locks. But I will say that I've always made sure we've been in this house for quite a long time. But one important thing for Dylan is to make sure that he is in that, first of all, a, a freestanding location um, just for volume but and safety. So um, the safety assessment tool that I have that I'm going to make available to people does talk about setting up a, a wandering plan mm -hmm. and sharing with your network. Um, it also talks about hospital safety. I know Dylan's been in the hospital. Mm -hmm. um, talks about natural disasters. And so it is something I'm gonna share um, for free with families. Um, a lot of creating it is frankly going through your life's journey with you. Yeah. Um, I did it as, you know, obviously when I worked with adults, but it's so personal when you feel these stories and I think, oh my God, what would we do for Dylan? And a couple of things that came to my mind were if Dylan couldn't get downstairs because he's a big kid, mm -hmm. um, what would we do? Um, that's why, I mean, we actually have fire signatures upstairs. Um, we always have our phones, you know, where we can hopefully automatically call someone. Um, that's why I have the ladders. I do worry physically on that still, you know, um, we do have a plan that if we could, like if like somebody else could get out first, like if we have to jump, I know it sounds crazy, but having like, we have an extra like smaller mattress in the garage that maybe we could throw down because his landing area would be asphalt. Brilliant. Um, so just like, you know, super every scenario plan um, that we could, I try to teach them to not only about actual fire, about smoke, like there's a situation where, you know, what to do and like, you know, trying to, you know, stay away, don't open a hot door. Like we're trying to teach them like all of these things, you know, um, but yeah, having just kind of every plan possible you know? The other thing I thought of is just like when we used to put big stuff SpongeBob yeah. <laughs> in the back seat because he would to protect you driving. Yeah, become so aggressive in the back seat. Uh -huh. One thing that I thought of was if there he's outgrown that SpongeBob one, but if upstairs if you have a bigger kind of almost like bean bag, mm -hmm. you could push him down like we, we used to yeah. have to do, like push him down and then drag the beanbag down. Yeah, that's smart. We actually have a, a part of the sleeping strategy. <laughs> we have a huge body pillow that's almost like yep. the same size as him, and that would be a great idea um, trying to use that. 
get them down the stairs. Yeah, so maybe like that and the beanbag and the sheet, and then you can just pull the sheet down because he's heavy. Yeah, yeah definitely. Gravity. You know, it's interesting that, you know, this is going to maybe sound weird, but as another thing I worry about our kids with safety, and I know I have several friends that um, have similar situations and big kids like Dylan. Um, our kids, a lot of times, like, you know, they see things and they actually react that they think it's funny, yep. like, you know, from all these cartoons and everything, like, you know, he's a big Tom and Jerry guy, like, he's into Simpsons, he's into, like, you know, natural disasters and yep. destruction and things blowing up, but in cartoons, like, they come back out in the same time frame, and though I know Dylan's very smart and aware and he understands danger, there's that whole aspect too of like, you know, would they really understand the truth? Like if it was happening in real time that, you know, the severity of it. That's a really great point. Yeah. We'll have to think more about that. All right. That's our next thing we're going to. Well, that's what I was going to say. We could do a whole series per topic. Exactly. <laughs> Not safety, but each thing. And of course, I remember, I vividly remember the famous Labor Day where Dylan became so upset and so aggressive that he was quite violent towards you. Yeah. And we had to put in a lot, change a lot after that. Mm -hmm. And so the great news for families is if like, I, I can remember you were so detailed and diligent about things that it was almost like you pushed me where I was like, ah, oh, I need to think about it, I know what to do. Um, and I know your other team members, you kept him on it all the time. And um, because of that, Dylan at 21 is quite safe. Yes. I mean, who knows what's going to happen, but he is as safe as I think he can be. Just based on our conversation, I think we both know we have a few things we need to add and think to change. But just getting this, um, thanking you so much. Jen, what I wanted to do is take a minute to highlight you as a uh, warrior mom, as they say, I've heard people say. Um, one of the, my favorite things is a quote from Temple Grandin, you've got to keep autistic children engaged with their world and you cannot let them tune out. And here you had a doctor saying, wow, he's in his own world, he might not ever come out. And now Dylan is this incredibly funny, silly, um, the mayor of your town where you live, who's taking the bus with with people, but he's taking the bus, he's making his own snacks, and he's quite as safe as we, he can be for whatever we know right now. He's healthy, he's happy, he has a tribe. And so you're meeting those outcomes. And you know, you work in the field, you did lots of years uh, with Autism Speaks. You are now senior manager of development for Special Olympics, which focuses on health. A lot of people don't realize that in Special Olympics, it's not just about the sports. It's about friendships and camaraderie, and you have a whole health screening component. So I want to thank you for your time today. I want to um, ask you to join me on a journey um, to look at tear this apart and really make sure we're making sure our kids safe and we'll deep dive deep. And for being vulnerable and saying like, gosh, I don't know, and me too saying like, I don't know, but well, let's, we've got to get better. So let's, we'll do this and um, work on it to help the benefit of other families. I'm all in. I love it. And, you know, I just want to say to families too, like reflecting back, like, you know, sometimes you forget how 
um, intense it was and wild it was, and it does get better. But again, there's always things that we can learn from and do better as well. But yeah, I'm all in, Kelly. So thank you. We got to get safety planning, happy, healthy, independence possible in a tribe. Definitely. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Kelly.